Heather Mangilio, and this is the In Session Podcast, where we bring Annapolis to you. County and State House reporter Steve Fonell joins us from our Annapolis desk. He'll break down the different bills and policies at the General Assembly, and occasionally he'll get comments from our delegation. Steve, can you hear us? You bet I can, Heather. All right, perfect. So how's Annapolis this week? It's been pretty busy. I've had a long day today, but busy is good, and uh, the bills are starting to come in a little bit more uh, quicker clip, so it's always interesting to see uh, when that process down here gets going. All right, perfect. So this week, um, we're going to start by focusing on um, some money that was dedicated, I guess is a good way to say it, to the hotel project in downtown Frederick, but is now no longer going there. And if I'm reading correctly, it's $5 million that is now on the table? That's correct. Uh, the $5 million was initially uh, placed in the governor's budget for several years to, like you said, be allocated for a downtown hotel and conference center. Um, that was never released. It was kind of in the budget for several years. And uh, now it's kind of been uh, morphed for various uh, different uses. Uh, it actually was going to be used for a Lake Linganore dredging project initially. Uh, County Executive Jan Gardner had requested $6 million from the governor's office for that project. Uh, $5 million was kind of set aside. And now uh, Senators Ron Young and Michael Huff have uh, sat down um, and kind of determined projects throughout the county, including the dredging project, where this money might be going. So... All right. So is there, at this point, any like leading option for where this money might go? Senator Ron Young said uh, just under $1.4 million. He wants to continue to go to the dredging project. And just for background on that, that's in the Lake Linganore New Market area-ish. Uh, it's a really important project for water quality. It's also the primary source of drinking water for the city of Frederick and a backup source for the county according to county officials. So it's uh, an important project just to kind of increase the capacity of usable drinking water there. So so to, to, before we even continue with what's happening with this money going forward, just can you very quickly recap for people who may not remember or haven't heard, why isn't this money going to the hotel or the conference center? So yeah, that was uh, a point of contention for multiple years. Um, those who supported the hotel, including Senator Ron Young, felt that you know that along with the conference center would really help with the revitalization of downtown Frederick and kind of spur economic development along the Carroll Creek, Creek corridor. Uh, but others, including Senator Michael Huff, kind of didn't want that money going toward the hotel. Huff's, one of Huff's main arguments during this whole uh, kind of proceedings is that, you know, no public money should be used for a project that can be otherwise uh, kind of, you know, public private money can be kind of used to build it, for lack of better terms. So he didn't want any public uh, money going toward uh, something that could be done uh, through the p- private sector, so to speak. So now explain to me, this money that is currently on the table, the $5 million, does that just come from the Senate, or will the House uh, delegation also get to discuss where they want the money to go? No, that's a good question. So the Senate, and uh, I guess just for background, Senators Huff and Young uh, sat down with David Brinkley, a former state senator uh, from District 4 now, who's currently the Secretary of Budget of Management uh, and Management in the governor's office. And uh, essentially, according to both Huff and Young, they uh, so they met with them, and Brinkley's just like, as long as you split it up how you see fit, it's your money. 
the the issue is, or kind of not not issue, but rather process that we're going to be dealing with is that obviously this is a two chamber kind of system. And moving forward, the House is going to have to approve, but for the Senate too, but the House is going to have to approve the capital budget uh, that the governor has proposed. And kind of the, that's where the pot of this $5 million, that's where this money is in the, go- in the governor's capital budget. Uh, they're going to have to approve uh, on both sides, the Senate and House, uh, if you know, the capital budget is approved, including these projects that are scattered throughout the county. So. All right. So just be, to make sure, I know this is a little technical, but because Huff represents both De- Frederick and Carroll counties technically, can some of this money be used in Carroll or can it only be used in Frederick? No, yeah. One of the projects, it's uh, $500,000, I believe, for a Mount Airy kind of Main Street improvement project. And one of the things that him and Delegate Dan Cox said is that that money is needed because there's a lot of traffic backups in the central part of town, and this money uh, would specifically really help to mitigate those issues and also kind of just the revitalization with road improvements down there. So that's an example of a town. Uh, Mount Airy is obviously kind of split between three counties, including Frederick and Carroll counties. So that's uh, definitely one example of what you just asked. So Perfect, and that's actually why I was asking about it because I saw that this uh, the road improvements from Mount Airy and I can tell you I, I cover Mount Airy and um, they are talking about um, one, one of the big road improvements would be this whole Center Street um, expansion which is right now one of the biggest arteries um, to uh, Main Street um, is Center Street and the problem is with Center Street is it does not connect to Maryland 27 or Ridge Road as it's also called which the town argues that if it was connected, which requires buying some, possibly buying some land unless it can be done privately, um, they, that road is not connected to the town except for one way. So you do see a lot more traffic that's kind of in a single pattern just because you don't have too many arteries into downtown. So it's interesting, but it would be, I believe, on the Carroll side of things if they do these road improvements. Right. That's a great analysis there. And I think it just goes to show, again, that, you know, it's not the most sexy stuff, these road and inf- infrastructure projects, but they are uh, very important. That's why Senators Young and Huff are pretty excited that if they're able to get these proposals going through, that um, that they're very beneficial uh, to the county and their constituents. So I have to say it's kind of interesting because not a single thing on their projects match up. They're both. They're both in. Uh, they both took care of their districts, respectively. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Ron Young is in District Three, which includes the City of Frederick and much of the outlining areas. Uh, you know, includes the Veterans Center, includes a homeless shelter in the city to be built. Uh, whereas uh, Senator Huff's includes some improvements in Brunswick, a half million both to kind of a public safety uh, facility that's to be built along with kind of water infrastructure infrastructure improvements. So uh, they both kind of, and they both said this, that, you know, obviously we weren't, we were just looking to split the money up and see uh, how we could best serve our constituents. And it, it's, it's kind of funny because the hotel was a very contentious uh, you know, item between the two of them. And now they've kind of sat down and compromised and they both said, you know, obviously you want to keep the money in the county. So this is one way to do that. So. Well, it's interesting too, because it, because they broke it up in such d- different ways, you could easily see it go um, a, a bunch of different ways. So you could have um, 
you know, the the 500,000 for the water infrastructure improvements in Brunswick, which again, I cover Brunswick and I can tell you it's very needed. It's, it would probably go to Yorty Springs, which has been offline. It's caused them to have to use um, Bato- the um, Potomac River, which is much more expensive because the water quality is a little bit different. And it's also some technical ways of like how they have to pump the water out versus what they get right now with Yorty Springs. Um so that's, you know, you could have that, but then you could also have, you know, the $500,000 for the homeless shelter. Again, I'm, I'm picking these things out just because I've reported on them before, but right. that would be a huge right. thing for, for um, the religious coalition to get that money because I know that's part of some of the things that, they, that could hold them up eventually from building the shelter is a lack of funding if they don't get it. Right. Um, so Huff could have some and, and Young could have some. So it doesn't look like it has to be right now, unless I'm wrong all of Huff's ideas or all of Young's ideas? No, yeah, no, they, they, both those proposals, their lists, uh, they both went into it kind of assuming that if all goes well, they can hopefully fund most, if off, if not all, of those proposals that they've kind of brought forth. So very much in the vein that you just uh, just said, it's, it's them working together to ensure the money stays locally, because if not, then it might be going to some other county in the ca- capital budget. So, well, and you know, as much as they've said that you know it's pleased, uh, or I guess Jane Gardner told you that she's pleased at staying in the um, the county, but how much is she hoping that they'll come together and say, actually, let's just give it all to the Lake Ligonor project? Uh, it's tough to say. I mean, obviously, um, she is feels pretty passionately about that. She actually had. Uh, uh, David Brinkley and other state officials out to see the project um, and kind of advocate for it. And I know the Lake Lagonor Association feels very strongly in trying to get more money outside of the $18 million that's already allocated for that project. So she definitely, I think, wants to see more than the just under $1.4 million that uh, Senator Young has kind of delegated to it. But it remains to be seen how much uh, money might go in addition to Again, the just under $1.4 million. It's it's very much in uh, flux right now. Like I said, it needs to go through both chambers. So these definitely these are proposals, but they're definitely not final projects, so to speak. So perfect. Well, and in terms of this kind of money, because it's kind of this interesting thing where it's already been allocated to Frederick County. Um, how quickly might we see a decision on where this money's going? It, we're going to see that, I would imagine, in the next month, month and a half. I mean, the budget has to be approved by uh, mid to late March. So that's uh, definitely something that's going to be on the radar. And uh, as you know, these go through the uh, appropriate channels. I know Delegate Carol Krem said she still needs to review the proposals, but she sits in the House Appropriations Committee. So I'm sure the committee is going to be reviewing uh, the budget, which includes, again, these items put forth by Huff and Young. So Well, I have to say, I was telling Alan um, Etzler, our, one of our city editors on the other podcast that I host, Frederick Uncut, um, about, we were talking about budget stories, and I said, you know, sometimes budget stories are really interesting, and he was, he scoffed a little bit. And this is one where you, you it kind of looks boring, oh, they had to figure out where to go with $5 million, but just how many projects and how much, you know, backstory to each of these projects um, really speaks to kind of the interesting parts of this budget process. Right. Yeah, like you just said, it's easy to get lost in uh, the numbers, but once you get going and looking into each of the projects specifically and just how important they are and what purposes they would serve in their respective fields and communities, I think you hit the nail on the head there that 
it, it's, it seems dry, but actually when you start digging into it, there's, there's a lot of value and importance to kind of following the money, for lack of a better term. So Yeah, for sure. And I can tell you that if uh, Mount Airy gets $500,000 or how much ever is supposed to go for um, the roads or if Brunswick gets any of that money, I can tell you I will be very busy following up how um, that money is spent to make sure it's spent correctly because that's the other part of budgets, making sure what is allocated is actually used that way. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, Steve, um, let's switch over to another thing that um, is not quite something that happens in session, but something that is a, is affecting some of our delegation right now um, and, and our county as a whole. So you've been really following up on immigration and the 287G program, which is the program that our sheriff's office is a part of and allows them to ask about um, immigration status to people who are in the detention center. Am I saying that correctly? That's correct. Yeah, the jail detention center, yes. Um, But it's been a little bit contentious, I think, is saying it lightly. Um, Yes. (laughs) In the past couple months, I mean, we had multiple rallies for and against, and it's come up a lot of times. I know people are constantly going before the um, the, the court. County uh, council, the the courts. Um, Constantly talking about this. So, uh, um. Fill me in where I'm missing, but uh, so it looks like Delegate Karen Lewis-Young and Senator Ron Young decided they wanted to ask the Attorney General's office. Am I correct? That's correct. So they, they sent a letter, initial letter in November, kind of asking uh, whether specific questions about the, the sheriff and what authority the county has over him, if at all, regarding this program. Um, and they got a, a response back pretty quickly. I just got the letter that pretty much states that since the sheriff is a state official and much of his uh, you know, rules and kind of his duties are laid out in the state constitution, he is allowed to uh, enter this program uh, specifically because it fits under common law in the, the state constitution. And what's interesting is that you know this is a federal program, but his duties are kind of laid out, like I said, at the state level. So it pretty much allows him to almost unilaterally enter into the 287G agreement. Uh, the caveat is is that um, the letter also, the initial letter also illustrated that, or kind of stated that the county is not obligated to fund the 287G program specifically. It is obligated to fund the sheriff's office and certain duties uh, that need to be carried out through the state constitution, but it doesn't need to, uh, you know, fund the 287G program specifically. So with that, I guess it's, I was reading the letters when you showed them to me, and I'm a little confused by how the state, the, I guess the county could say, we're not going to fund this program, and how that would actually be separated from paying officers, you know, their salaries, if those officers are also the ones that are working with the 287G program. It's a good question, Heather. And one of the things that's running concurrent to all this, which should provide a lot of answers, is an audit that's being done by the county's uh, independent auditing board. And then also uh, they contract out with a couple of firms. The one that's doing this audit is Clifton Larson Allen. And they're currently, you know, looking at the county ledgers at the detention center. They've interviewed representatives from that auditing firm. I've interviewed Chuck Jenkins and his staff. Uh, they expect to have the final draft done by March. Now, that's a tentative date. The auditing board actually should have some preliminary uh, review by February. But because 
the parties have agreed that it, the audit needs to be finalized and kind of terms need to be kind of reconciled and make sure everyone's on the same page. That draft will not be public in February. The draft will, not, will be public in March, and it will kind of answer a lot of the questions in terms of what money, if any, on the county side is being spent on uh, the 287G program. And uh, to your point, it'll it definitely answer questions in terms of, you know, what staff time might be uh, allocated to this, what supplies, what training, if any. Um, it's been debated widely how much this program is costing the county. And I've been following up on this audit as it kind of progresses through uh, that internal auditing board. Uh, but uh, it still remains to be seen, obviously, until we actually have the draft report. It's all speculation. So. And so what about uh, Sheriff Chuck Jenkins? Because I know that he is a you know a proponent of the program and he's spoken about it a lot. Were you able to talk to him a little bit about what these letters said? Yeah, I talked to him today, actually. And the first thing he said to me is that uh, this pretty much confirms what I knew all along in terms of my... Uh, ability or kind of my authority to enter into the 287G agreement uh, under the state constitution. Um, he also said that he anticipates and it's, t- you know, he, d- he didn't want to, uh, you know, confirm or commit to anything, but he said given the process so far, he's not expecting a huge amount of costs that the audit is going to show, but uh, obviously that remains to be seen. But he, se- he seems to be optimistic, let's say, about how much this uh, program is going to cost. I know some members of the auditing board, including uh, Councilman Steve McKay, who's on that board, has said he doesn't anticipate there will be much cost, if at all. But again, it remains to be seen. And uh, the audit is going to be thorough. It's going to look at the past five fiscal years in terms of what's being reviewed and uh, like you said, there's there's a lot of questions uh, that remain, but uh, the sheriff seemed like uh, that the letters definitely validated a lot of what he had believed before they were uh, kind of sent to Karen Lewis Young and Ron Young. So, so um, with that, do you think there's going to be an additional pushback because this letter happened, or is it mostly just moving on to the audit? Uh, there actually is. So Ron Young told me today that there's going to be some legislation on a broad level dealing with civil, uh, civil immigration law and perhaps that might deal with this program. Now, again, the thing that complicates that is the 287G program isn't actually a state program. It's a federal program with Immigration Customs and Enforcement. So you get into a lot of legal mess when you kind of cross jurisdictions like this, um, and it remains to be seen what any action the state legislature is going to take, if at all, regarding uh, civil immigration law this session. But uh, Young seemed to indicate today that there might be some movement in that area. So um, with talking to the the Karen Lewis Young and Ron Young, did they seem okay with the response from the letters? Were they surprised by anything that was included? No, they weren't surprised. They they accepted uh, kind of the attorney general's kind of opinion, or I should say letter of advice, stating that, again, that Sheriff Chuck Jenkins, as a state official, has the authority to enter into these agreements. What they still have questions about is how much uh, the 287G program is costing the county. Because, in fact, the reason... Um, that uh, Anne Arundel County 
uh, ended their program is because they did an audit and found that the county was absorbing a significant amount of the expenses, and those expenses were disproportionate to the result. But then also in terms of how the program is being enforced, and that is a very contentious question depending on who you ask, especially um, locally of our uh, local officials. so we'll see what comes of it, but it definitely they definitely accepted uh, the letters of advice, but they're still looking into the program and kind of its effectiveness and uh, whether it is frankly needed in the county. And just to go back to this when it first started, what kind of prompted Ron Lewis Young and sorry Ron Young and Karen Lewis Young to even write the letters in the first place? Uh, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but when they sent their initial letter, they did include some reporting, including by myself. Um, and they've ju- they've just seemed, I don't want to say skeptical, but they definitely uh, question uh, the effectiveness of the program. They believe that uh, it's not, you know, in terms of any county funds that might be used. And again, the audit's going to show if any, any funds are going to be, if any funds are used. But uh it 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 depends. Uh, it remains to be seen. I mean, they they definitely have a skeptical eye, and I don't think that this is the end of you know. Even though the letter kind of affirmed that Chuck Jenkins has the authority to enter into these agreements, I don't think um, that this is the end of them pursuing uh, kind of pulling back on the program. Frankly, a little bit. And I mean, just in general. Or- as someone who's been reporting on this, is, is it surprising to you that you are starting to see some at least interest or questioning from our, our delegation? Not really, frankly, because this is locally in Frederick County, one of the top political issues that gets people to come out and either support the program or be against it. Uh, and I think because the sheriff, again, it sounds like a broken record, is a state official, state law comes into play and any sort of changes to what authority the sheriff might have uh, with this program is going to have to likely come through the General Assembly. I mean, county officials have said that they can't really uh, act on the program because it's outside their purview. And uh, even though they help fund the sheriff's office, the sheriff's office is kind of and its duties are kind of set out in the state constitution. But he is ultimately um, a state employee. So the state has authority whether to even permit these programs. So it's an interesting kind of legal tap dance, if you will, that uh, both local and state officials are kind of working through here. And I think ultimately, at the end of the day, it, it falls primarily to the state officials, and that's why you're seeing some of the members of our delegation take interest in it. So with that, is there any expectation that other jurisdictions um, outside of Frederick County might push some bills or try to regulate this program in Maryland? Uh, I'm thinking mostly like Montgomery County, which is uh, fair to say a little bit more liberal than uh, Frederick County, at least in some of the bills that have they've been pushing for. Um, I could Would you predict maybe seeing someone from there trying to regulate this program in the state of Maryland? Yeah, that's a that's a good point, Heather, because uh, when I talked to Senator Young today, he had mentioned that maybe some of his colleagues, he didn't name any, but from Montgomery County might be uh, the ones to pick up uh, the torch here and kind of carry it on in terms of any proposed changes. But again, that remains to be seen. I haven't seen any legislation 
uh, that specifically, number one, specifically addresses 287G, and number two, uh, addresses the issues of civil immigration. Uh, there is one House bill uh, that has been filed, but I, I ran down to the bill room today and uh, I couldn't, it wasn't filed yet. So it was just online, but it wasn't filed in the bill room. So it's probably still being drafted and formulated. So uh, that was uh, not from Montgomery County. That was, I believe, from a delegate from Prince George's County, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it, it remains to be seen what any, if any legislation will, will come of uh, these letters and just general interest on civil immigration issues in the state. Well, we're about what week two into the session. Uh, week three ish, actually, I think, uh, right. if we're being technical. But yeah. So week three, which seems really early on, but in a ninety-day session, it, every day counts. Um, right. I think it's fair to say. Um, so how close are we getting to the point where no more legislation can be drafted? It's interesting to bring that up because I feel like there's still an opportunity for delegates and uh, senators to introduce uh, bills, but uh, Speaker Jones in the House of Delegates made a mention today, uh, this morning, essentially saying, if your bill is not in the hopper, you're already behind schedule. So uh, there, I feel like it's got to be the next week or so, Heather, that they have to really try and get something in. Otherwise, it becomes extremely difficult because crossover days in early to mid-February. And that's when, you know, obviously bills pass from the Senate to the House and the House to the Senate. And the speed just really picks up from then. Well, before we um, wrap up, because I know you are dying to get back home to Frederick <laughs> County. Um <laughs> We always like to kind of end on a lighter note um, to just kind of show some of the other sides of the uh, legislative session. So what is an interesting bill that you found this week that you think we need to know about? Uh, I'm not going to say a bill. I'm going to I'm going to say a resolution from this morning, actually, because, you know, we obviously get wrapped up in the money and the proposed legislation on the day to day. But obviously a part of many the start of many days in the Senate and the House are resolutions and kind of housekeeping things. And one of the things that came up this morning was actually Delegate Jesse Pippi, who's the chair of the Frederick County delegation, uh, addressed uh, Speaker Jones and kind of as part of the resolution, uh, the Catoctin Cougars football team was in town and was recognized this morning. They won the 1A, uh, Class 1A state football championship this past season. And so it was kind of nice to see Delegate Pippi and the whole House chamber, over 100 delegates, kind of recognize the season that the Cougars had. Um, and again, it's just it's just a nice change of pace. And obviously, we're very in the nitty gritty here with legislation, how money is spent. But uh, that was a nice uh, lighthearted moment. And obviously, it was nice to see those young men recognized uh, for their, their great season and well job done. Not to throw this at you at the very end, but just since we, uh, you'll be there in, in Annapolis again on Friday when the delegation meets. Is there anything that you want to leave us with that just lets us know where the delegation Hello? might be heading um, this next couple days? I guess the big thing is uh, Congressman David Trone, who represents the 6th District and part of Frederick County, is going to actually... Uh, you know, be in that delegation meeting, kind of address kind of the scene from Washington. And it's always uh, good, obviously, for, you know, local and state representatives to have time uh, with, you know, representatives at the federal level. So we'll see what comes to that. But uh, that's obviously one of our two congressmen who's coming up to kind of introduce himself uh, and just let him uh, let them know about what's going on in D.C. Well, Steve, I hope you get home pretty soon. 
Um, thank you so much for uh, jumping in. I am looking forward to um, speaking with you again next week. And um, don't worry, I have not forgotten that I am hoping that you will sing a, a possible new state song for children oh, if that passes. No. Oh, so no. Oh, great. It is something that will be coming up. Um, there are going to be voice auditions, I hear, in Baltimore. So if that is what you're going to be preparing for, let us know. But state song, um, whether it passes or whether it doesn't pass, I feel like it's something we would like to hear on this uh, show. Oh, goodness. Okay you're putting me up to it but uh if people can deal with my voice then i guess i guess i can maybe make that a go but (laughs) all right perfect so people can uh, tune in each week to make sure that we hold you to that okay okay well heather thanks for having me on as always it's always a pleasure of course steve have a great night you too in session is hosted by me heather mangilio from frederick and steve bonell from annapolis it is edited by graham cullen we'll see you next week